Hello, this is Tucker Johnson from Nimsy Insights coming to you with a live pop-up event with Mayu Nurmanen. Oh my gosh, I asked you how to pronounce your first name, but I forgot the second name. <laughs> Mayu, good to have you. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really, I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. And I, I think we both need to give a big shout out to Yuka Nakasone who yeah. is the mastermind behind this meeting. This is the first time you and I have ever met, but she was very adamant that I need to talk to you because she, of her involvement with the Process Innovation Challenge. And I, I have had Rickert from Zilio, your nemesis. I've, had, I've hosted your nemesis, mm. your, your competition on, on <laughs> this channel. So it's only fair that I, I provide you an audience as well. And I was a couple of weeks ago when I first started talking to Yuka about this, but um, I was interested in the concept that you were putting forth for the Process Innovation Challenge because mm. it's something very close to what I've been talking about a lot recently which is about customer experience and quality and language and localization and all of that stuff so maybe we can start off by you just giving us a quick update on what it's all about sure um so i was talking about something um i call either impact localization or um or, or iterative localization um and that's an approach that we've been applying um at what three words for I want to say about 18 months now um, and it started um, started when we were thinking how to best localize our app store listing so our product is um, is a free app um, called what three words and um, and, and it was really kind of this method was inspired by how app store listings um, and how that platform works and how the listings are actually constructed because they consist of different um, you know different components. Um, you have textual elements, you have visual elements, and and that kind of prompted us to think that, you know, this is actually this is something that goes beyond translation and transcreation. This is you know an entire experience um, that consists of th these different different elements. Um, and so correct, correct me if I'm wrong. And this, so this yeah. is actually because we we're talking about what three words is not what we're talking about today. Right. What we're talking about today is what three words your company had a challenge, had a mm, mm. problem statement and developed a solution to to fix that. So it's basically something that's um, helping what three words in the global market is. Am I correct in that assumption? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the intro. I, I totally should. And, and I think it in. took me way too long to understand that because I was like, what three words yeah. are we talking about? What three words are we talking about? Because like what you guys are doing at what three words is super cool. And um, but I know you're not the expert in that. Maybe we can talk. Just give give us a plug. What, what does your company do? Like um, and yeah. I can pull it up here, too, um, so that we can see it on sure. the screen. Sure. There we go. So yeah, never get lost and again. So what three words? Yeah, the map. Cool. So what three words is a way to talk about location in a very easy and precise way. Um, so you might think that you know we, we've got addresses and surely we have uh, you know ways to talk about talk about location. Um, but there are actually actually lots of places in the world that don't have street addresses at all, um, and such as you know in, in developing countries. Um, but also, you know, in, in developed countries, even in urban environments with, with you know, proper street addressing, um, you have lots of places like, you know, parks or beaches or outdoors areas where it's actually, it can be quite difficult to describe right. where you are or it's where like, you're going to how do, be. How do I get my Grubhub order when I'm exactly. at a yeah. music festival? <laughs> yeah, how thing. do you, how, right. how do you order pizza to your picnic blanket, basically? Um, so. Um, so what we've done is that we've we've given every three meter square or every ten foot square um, in the world a unique identifier of three random words. Um, so, for example, field count soap is the front entrance um, of our of our London office. Um, so it's accurate to to three meters. So you can literally pinpoint specific entrances to buildings, um, or or you, you literally have an address no matter where you are in the world, whether you are you know backpacking in um in, in cambodia or you know at your summer house somewhere somewhere remote wherever you are you have um, a way to very 
um, precisely describe your location. Okay, um, I'm going to be showing place- everybody like exactly where I am right now, which is, <laughs> which is kind of creepy. But I'm I'm zooming into my front door here. Yeah. And oh, that's, that's oh, and really it's broken down is- by grids. I see. Exactly. Those are the three meter squares. Um, so, so it's really helpful if you um, if you just you know want to use the app with your friends and you know uh, set up and you know agree to have a meetup somewhere. Um, you know, you're going for a barbecue or picnic or whatever, um, where you won't, you know, you won't have a street address for that. Um, but equally, um, if you need to tell the emergency services where where something has happened, um, or you know, businesses use this as well, um, such as you know, logistics companies, um, retailing retailing companies, um, auto um, like in the uh, automotive industry, for example, Mercedes has integrated this um, bot three words into their in car navigation system so that their drivers can have a better um, better experience so there's um there's a lot of um really exciting exciting use cases um and what three words we've already launched it in 48 different languages um so even when you're traveling you can still kind of find your way around in your in a language that you're comfortable in so the, the 48 different languages so the three word every every block is the unique identifier consists of three words. So to localize yeah. that, do you localize the words too? Yeah. And and the interesting things interesting. about that, it, interesting, yeah, the interesting thing about it is that no um, three word address is a translation of each other. Um, so in a sense, when we, when we localize about three words, we actually, we um, actually like every product, every language version is an entirely independent product. We create, um, a, a word list um, for each language from scratch that kind of meets the um, obviously the kind of technical criteria from our side, but you know really um, appreci- appreciate the the uniqueness of each language and culture um, when we when we select those those words that then you know our, our algorithm shuffles and and um, uses to create these these three word addresses. So if I I'm just realizing I think this is my front door. And my three-word code is Magic Winner Salsa, which, by the way, is an awesome three-word code. <laughs> so Agreed. if localized into Spanish, would that just be a one-for-one translation? So it would be like Magico no. Ganador Salsa. Salsa is a Spanish Not word. at all. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, not at all. So, so, And there are a few reasons for that. For the, I guess the, the most obvious one being that not every word translates into other languages at all, or it might not translate as a single word. Um, yeah, and, and and part of the the logic of our three words is also that we use those most common and, and and shortest words in each language in the area where that language is most commonly spoken. So, for example, I'm Finnish. Um, we've allocated, or our, 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 our algorithm has allocated um, the shortest most common Finnish words to Finland and other areas where, you know, Finns are most likely to be using what three words. Um, with, and, and kind of when this, when you apply this logic in, in all of these languages, then you kind of can't lock certain words to specific places. Makes sense. Um, across them. So, yeah. Makes sense. So, so this, all right. So that's, that's what, what three words is. So I feel better now. I, I, I understand. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners also understand um, as well what it is. Let's see who's here. Um, we got some comments already. Maria Scheibengraf. Hi, Maria. How are you? Oh, hi, Maria. She's, I know her as well. <laughs> she says, Mayu has to be my favorite client-side manager ever. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a vendor kissing butt right there. Nice work. Nice work, Maria. <laughs> Yeah, Maria is brilliant. And that's awesome. Yeah, really, she's, um, she's been on the show before. She has her um, ah. the her book that came out, the Bible. Yes. The Bible. Did I get my copy? No, oh, I, I owe you a screenshot, Maria, when I get my copy. Um, but it's not here right <laughs> now. All right. So, um, moving on. This this was all just laying the groundwork to understand what was the challenge in the app store that you faced? And because this is where the innovation comes from. Innovation always comes from having a challenge to overcome. What was your challenge and what was the innovation that you put forth the the PIC? Yeah. The challenge is that, you know, we're creating a global standard for, for talking about location and that, that is a massive challenge. Um, So in in the app store specifically, um, we wanted to see, what we can do to our our conversion rates um, globally in in different markets um, if we if we start kind of tweaking things and kind of deviating from um, from the way 
we, for example, communicate about what three words here in the UK in English. Um, so I, I think most commonly uh, apps or listings are localized by just translating the, the description text that you have there and then maybe localizing the, the keywords for, um, for better SEO. But actually, the listings consist of so much more, um, such as, you know, the visual elements and you really um, it's like an amazing playground, really. You can you can experiment with lots of different things, um, such as, you know, what you communicate um, uh, in, in these um, in these images, what kind of visual like design um, expression you use and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and ask a so silly question from someone who's mm. – it's been a long time since I localized for the App Store. Like, is there um, customizability, localizability in the App Store to, like, have custom pictures, custom screenshots, custom – Exactly, yeah. Okay. Right. Tell, yeah. tell us yeah. a little bit about those. Like, what kind of custom customized – like, you see on screen here, I pulled up, what, three words in the – it's the desktop version of the App Store, but still. Yeah. Um, Nice, four point four point eight. Um, what's customizable in here, and what's not? And out of what's customizable, like what really needs to be customized, right? Like, because I'm sure there's diminishing returns. Like, you don't need to make everything super customized. So, talk to me a little bit about this. Yeah. So, App Store optimization or ASO is kind of its own own, you know, recognized thing with, with, you know, best, best practices that people have discovered um, and, and which we very much try to follow as well. Um, so you well, can customize. When you say there's best practice, sorry, I just keep interrupting with questions. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. That's when fine. you say there's best practices for app store optimization, mm. are there best practices for localized app store? Like it's like so. there's best practices for marketing too. It doesn't mean there's generally yeah. accept best practices for like global marketing. So how, how far have those best practices gone to take into account localizability and localization opportunities? Or, or is that what you're trying to solve? Is, is that what you're doing here? So, um, so um, to answer your first question, I think there's definitely, definitely overlap. For example, um, one kind of generally accepted um, accepted uh, fact about App Store optimization is that those images are um, among the most powerful components of the listing that you can possibly optimize. And not least, obviously, during this era when everybody has super short attention right. spans, we might not even scroll down to to read more about the product. The age we of just want to see exactly, yeah. So, yeah. so we might just you know scroll through the images if even that, or perhaps just look at those um, uh, those first ones and and read you know those short headlines and and that should be that has to be enough to to convince someone to to download that app um and obviously if you just if you just translate the description copy that's below those images um is is not necessarily going to be that influential um right. and obviously visual, it's kind of like the bare minimum Right. It's like, it's kind of, yeah. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if you have a global audience and you're really, you're really trying to communicate to somebody speaking their language is kind of a given like that's like just about the starting point. And then we start talking about talking about how you actually localize an experience. And of course, um, I think it should be should be said that there is there is a time and a place for different different localization approaches. And sometimes it's a perfectly um is is the absolute right localization decision to just translate something so that you have information available, but when it comes, uh, hey, um, hey, I'm I'm of the mind. Sometimes it's absolutely the right decision not to localize something. Right, everything's everything's exactly. contextual, so there's no right answer. Exactly, exactly, obviously, and and you know, in in every organization would have their own priorities as well. Perhaps not not every language is isn't you know of equal priority to them. So so obviously. I think it's good that we have these different different methods in like our collective localization toolbox that we can you know then just pull out what we need um, and and where um, you know where where it is right. Um, so in the app stores, uh, that was something that we definitely wanted to we wanted to approach it as an um, as an experience and and kind of see how I don't want to use the word manipulating, but you know maybe optimizing is the better word. Um, how how optimizing the different elements would. Um, would impact the conversion rates in, in different markets. And the app stores are, are an interesting platform 
um, also, especially the, the Google Play Store might be a bit easier to access from different countries. If you want to look at, you know, what App Store listings look like in Japan, for example, or Indonesia or Germany or wherever, you can kind of, you can get a sense of um, what sort of, what sort of design language is used, um, what sort of, um, um, what kind of messaging um, local, local um, companies um, are using when they talk about their product um, to kind of get a better sense of what is expected um, and, and kind of what is, um, what, what sort of communication is successful. Um, and, and sometimes you may notice that actually this is, this is something I need to completely rethink what I'm doing here. Um, right. And we need to completely rethink our designs, for example. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's challenging balance, right? Because like what you're saying yeah. is like a good starting point is to go basically do a competitive analysis, right? Yeah. And like, what do we do? And, you know, and this is something we do at NIMSY. Like we help clients with this doing competitive analysis. They want to yeah. go in, they want to go global and like, all right, let's, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but let's do what needs to be done to provide that intelligence. But yeah. what I always say is like the intelligence is it's a first step, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a prerequisite, mm -hmm. but it needs to go further. Like where I've seen people really succeed, really get their bang for their research buck or their bang for their user experience research buck is the ones that go beyond just like, what do I need in order to operate in this mm -hmm. market? What do I need in order to talk to my customers? What do I need in order to understand what my customers are saying for me? And the ones that go on is what do my customers expect? Not even what do my customers need? What do my customers expect? And oftentimes those expectations have been heavily, heavily influenced by the competitors that you didn't even know that you had in, in the local market because they've kind of set the stone. They've mm -hmm. kind of built the market unless you have first mover advantage, right? So it, it's it's a good place to start with that um, that research, but how do you then translate that into customer improved customer experience, I would mm. say? Yeah, um, and obviously there is the challenge of, you know, for example, if you, if you start feeling like actually our design language isn't isn't anything like anywhere near um, what what commonly um, kind of you know what what's closer to to the um, aesthetic um, kind of norms um, and expectations in a certain market. Um, how do I still um, how do we still look like us? How do we you know maintain brand integrity? Um, and I think this is where um, where cross functional localization comes in. Um, which is kind of part of this this um, this approach that I um, I pitched at the um, the the Lock World um, Innovation Challenge, um, that you know you need to you need to bring people from from different parts of the organization together to work on that localization uh, localized experience so that you can you know um, you can make sure that it's it's definitely thoroughly holistically localized um, and and not just for example translated because localization. I think um, I think we're closing closing doors if we if we think it's just um, you know a linguistic operation. There's a lot more goes into that. So, for example, at What Three Words, um, when it comes to these app store listings, we have a cross-functional team working on those. We have you know product marketing, creative, um, localization, UX design, um, these kind of these types of people um, in our team, kind of working working together. And you know when you can bring um, let's say a designer, when a designer is already in that conversation, we don't really have to worry about, you know, is, is this going to be, you know, is, is this going too far? Is this going to, you know, not be, not be um, kind of on brand in a, in a way. So yeah. it's just really, you know, using that, that data and research to figure out culturally, culturally better ways to express that same brand identity, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. But mm. honestly, I'm thinking you said in the room with the designer and that caught my attention because what I've found from talking to folks on, on the enterprise side is that's not always a given that you have a designer in the same room as the LOC team or the globalization team or the yeah. international, whatever you call yourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you um, had to, 
I don't want to say struggle, but is that something that you had to kind of like create this norm or this best practice of getting people in the same room? Did you have to push for that or was it a natural evolution? How did that come about? Um, that's definitely a struggle I, I recognize as well. And I think, you know, whenever, whenever you talk up talk to, you know, a localization manager, for example, there's that collective eye roll and sigh. I think everybody, everybody recognizes that, that challenge. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in our case, um, it was, I can't stress enough the importance of being able to demonstrate, um, the, the significance of, of localization. Um, you know, using metrics that actually really matter in that organization and that really makes sense to, for example, a, a marketer or, you know, a product manager. Because um, there's there's a very big difference in, um, let's say, um, you know, just talking about, for example, cost per word, right, which is which is um, a metric that we, sure, we use a lot in the, yeah. <laughs> in the industry. There's a big difference um, to, to going to that designer or, or marketing manager or what have you um, and saying, you know, this is the cost per word um, if we if we do this or that um, to if you go to them and say, I can reduce, we can reduce our cost yeah. per install in go. these now, digital now you ads. My by, now you caught my attention. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's like cost per word. What's for the, what, what, what we're paying per words. Why are we paying per words? What kind of words? What does that mean? So it's just, there's too many questions, Mm. right? There's just too many questions when Mm. you start talking about um, CPW, right? Cost per word. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a metric that makes, you know, a lot of sense on the localization side, but it's not particularly, um, it's not particularly attractive. It's not particularly informative necessarily outside of kind of the localization localization industry so i think it's really important and that was i would say um um, absolutely key um, for us as well that we were able to kind of redefine good successful successful localization and impactful localization um and you know start using metrics that really matter to um and, and importantly make sense um to to others in our organization and that's why I think, you know, being able to collect data um, and in, in evolving and optimizing your localization based on that data and, is, is quite important. The, the right data, right? Which is to say right the data, data that well. your stakeholders care about. This is the thing. Like, obviously, you can, you can you know, walk up to your, your CEO um, and say, hey, this is, you know, what another organization in a completely different situation does somewhere else. But when you're able to demonstrate that impact in that organization's own context, um, for example, in our case, in the App Store, we started with very simple copy experiments. Um, and, you know, after a while with that cumulative growth, when we were able to to optimize the specific listing um, to to convert better, we were able to have an entirely different conversation and say, hey, when, you know, instead of this, we talk about what three words like this um, to this specific audience in, in this language, we're able to see the conversion rate go up this much. And, and we were talking about really significant growth. Um, so I think, you know, in that sense, speaking the same language as others in the organization is really, really important. What is the, you're talking about significant growth. What is your biggest, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not asking for company confidential anything, but like, what is your biggest like success that you can point to and be like, look, because we did this, because we customized and went beyond and above and beyond traditional translation, everything, because we customized this, this is the response that we got from a particular audience. I would say, yeah, you're right. I, I can't uh, share the yeah, exact yeah. numbers, but what I can say is that, you know, in this um, app store, app store experiments is not uncommon at all to get an inconclusive result. Like what you did, your, your, the tests you set up actually, you know, it didn't make any difference. The needle didn't move at all. Well, I imagine um, the majority of them are going to be like that, but that's not what you're doing yeah. it for. You're doing it for the outliers. Exactly. And um, but despite that, we've been able to see double digit growth. Wow. Wow. Can you tell me what languages? Um, okay. No, I won't put you on the spot. I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> a couple. All right. a, couple, a, couple a couple. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. But obviously are, you know, definitely more than, more than just a few. So, yeah. um, so obviously our listings are, are public. So anyone can go and, um, have a look around. Um, all right. Well, I should have done my homework before this. I, I, I pulled up the, um, the app store. I pulled up the Spanish version of the app too, just cause I was curious. And 
for those for those that are playing along at home. There, there's some different screenshots here. Um, the description is different. So this is what three words is an easy way to identify precise locations. This one starts with uh, the. You may want to pull up pull up the Japanese one if you. Um, oh, see, now we're getting to it. Now hours. we're getting to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna get answers out of you yet. I'm assuming JP. Yes. No, I don't want to translate it. Actually, I should have translated it. I don't speak Japanese. Do you? Okay, maybe you need to um, if you if you're able to hop on the Play Store site. Um, okay. So Google Google Play, what free words um, that might have um, the most up to date stuff. Google Play, Android, so uncivilized. I, I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to switch between <laughs> countries on this. But. Um, if you just search for for what three words, you should okay. be maybe I'm I'm able to um okay. find the link Bam. for you. Directly. I got it. I got it. So you'll only need to change the language in the end to um the language in the end. I don't see the language details ID. The the last letters isn't it there? No, it's not. But can I send you a direct link? Send um, me a link. The and in the meantime, we'll try to we'll try to. Fill the data here because the um, yeah Japanese would be very very interesting to look at because typically that's the oh here we go that was a copy link address All yeah right. so to give give an idea of bam here we go here we go yeah to give an idea of and sorry know, for those that very... are listening as a podcast we're looking at the Japanese on screen text we'll do our best to narrate the differences here yeah. alright go Mayu. So yeah, very different visual experience um, already. So so you know you see that you know we've definitely definitely we started with these really small scale um, copy experiments, um, but you know that was kind of the the proof of concept, and we were then able to to you know get the designer um, in the same room um, and work with us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, very different design. I see. I mean, the thing that stands out the most other than just the language is you know the bright yellow featured image here um is a stark contrast to how it looks in english this, mm. when you're when you're analyzing the success of these different things like how do you do that do you do a b testing do do you look at okay so 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 it is basically there there's an a b testing component to it what does that look like how yeah. many like how many rounds do you do um, and how do you call during that A/B testing? Are you doing anything else to collect user feedback as well, or are you just just looking at the data that you're collecting from the app stores? Um, mainly the data because that that really is the user feedback. Um, you know, exactly. what, what is yeah. So so what is what is influential? What is what is appealing to them? What makes sense to them? It's all kind of in in the numbers. Um, and as to the the rounds of, of iteration, it really depends. Um, really depends on where we are with the conversion rate to to begin with. Um, depends on you know the priority of that uh, particular language and market at the time. Um, so you know lots of lots of different things um, would affect that. Um, and similarly, you know, do we want to keep optimizing one specific component, for example? Do we want to change something in that headline visual, for example, in that in that Japanese Japanese listing, or do we want to start experimenting in in that longer description copy below it. So there are lots of lots of um, options um, for what you can do and, and how you can kind of decide what what makes sense based on based on what you're seeing in your in your traffic and conversion rates. Yeah, and and I'm seeing this here. And the next question that comes to mind: Are there any similarities between markets? So, for example, mm -hmm. have, have you have you come across a situation where it's like, oh, the French market is responding very well to this asset, whatever it may be, right? This English, this copy, or this uh, image, this copy. Um, maybe we should try that in the Spanish market or the Italian market or the bordering, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there any grouping together or is every market treated individually? And I, I suppose the question was somewhat hinge upon like, what is your data set? Like how many downloads, how many users? Cause the bigger your data set, um, the bigger your problems <laughs> as far as analyzing <laughs> that data, right? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely um, benefits to, to kind of sharing those learnings across, you know, languages and 
um, and even projects really. Obviously, apps, the app store is the is only one of the things that we 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 try and optimize and where we kind of tailor the localized experience. Um, so, for example, we have a similar cross-functional team working on our digital uh, digital ads. So, for example, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, um, and and yeah, we do definitely exchange um, exchange learnings um, between the different different cross-functional groups um, and also about different different languages. So, you know, if something has worked particularly well um, in, in in a certain certain country in, in in a certain language, why not give it a go um, if there isn't a reason? Um, right reason or not to yeah. in another market and, and hey, see you happens. might find something that would do better in the english in the source right i'm assuming the this source is, is the english thing. right the, yeah yeah this is the thing um that i think you know if you're if you're translating you're essentially replicating or copying something um uh, yeah. into, into another language and of course, a healthy you, debate in the comment section about that but yeah yeah, yeah i i, I I understand. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, and obviously, if you um, if you if you localize um, and and especially if you transcreate, it can it can become something yeah. something entirely different. No, but, um, so but I get it. Like essentially, we are converting words. Yeah, at, at the most um, and I level. think yeah. yeah, and kind of this this impact localization approach that we um, um, as we as we come to call it. Um, the key difference to, for example, transcreation, which, you know, in, in some contexts and some organizations that already includes, for example, design localization. Um, but the difference here is that, you know, localization doesn't have to be kind of, you know, one and done, tick a box and then not think about it again. It can be something that you you keep optimizing and, and developing in this kind of data-led interaction with the audience that you're localizing the experience for. Um, so that's kind of the key key difference there, and kind of you know learn learn as you go what so, it is about you, your brand and your product um, that that resonates. So that that's important. I, I want to stay here just for a second because I think that's important. You just basically answered one of my questions, which is so what's the difference between impact localization, as we're calling this, and transcreation? And what I'm mm -hmm. understanding from your your response is. Impact localization doesn't stop when you, uh, you know, import into the CMS. Like it doesn't just stop there. You're continually looking at the results that your localization has, just as you would look at the result that your English assets and your English copy are are getting. And yeah. that's the main difference. Whereas that is the main difference. Yeah, sounds expensive. It sounds. Sounds like a, 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 a tough question time, right? It sounds, is it worth it? Yeah. Like what's the ROI it on is. this? Um, that's the thing. Like, um, I think there's, there's a very strong focus in the localization industry on, you know, automation and kind of making, making the process as light as possible. Efficiency. And that's, I think, yeah. efficiency. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, in many ways it's, it's perfectly, perfectly justified. Um, and it's, it's it's very true that you know the more you start kind of tailoring for tailoring your approach and tailoring um, the the content for for different different languages, the more the more difficult it becomes to to do that at scale. And obviously, more work is always more work. That's you know that's that's obvious. Um, but I think it is. Is, is it expensive if, if you don't do that? Like, what, what's the price of that? What's the price of, you know, translating or transcreating and, and leaving it at that? The opportunity um, cost, right? So this is the thing. What's the so, price of so, letting a first mover move into those markets or a competitor or whatever it may be, move into those markets before you, right? That's... I think there's um, UX design is one field that I like to, you know, draw a parallel here because they, you know, that's, and where I think localization as an industry, we could learn a lot from them um, or from UX design um, because that's, Agree. you know, it's, it, it's all about, you're right. It's, it's so And they could learn something from us too, right? I'm not just saying like, oh, we're subservient to them. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I, but I believe the future of both of our industries is intertwined with, you know, yeah. the UX and the design guys and the global localization yeah. If I were prone to making bold statements, I would say 20 years from now, that's all going to be the same thing. It's just going to be globalized UX Ooh. design, right? But yeah, I'm not so ambitious. Yeah. 
<laughs> to make such so claims. you wouldn't say something. Like but twenty that. years from now, if I'm right, I will pull up this recording and show it to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I was here. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think, as I was saying, you know, it's so user centered and it's 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 iterative and it's it's you know it's all about empathy and kind of you know forgetting all you know bias and really just focusing focusing on on the user. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's just, you know, a lot there uh, and kind of, you know, working, working in smaller, smaller chunks, iterating as you go, um, always, you know, measuring, um, measuring how, how something is, how, how something has performed that you've designed. So I think it, it's a very, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, so. and, and that's kind of my thinking, my thinking as well. Like what if, what if localization was more like that? What if it wasn't, you know, just that box we ticked that we preferably automatically ticked um, and, and for as cheap as possible? And, you know, you don't see that happening to UX design. Nobody's trying to, um, we're not trying to, like, automate that in that sense. Um, yeah. We see you have a comment here from William Dan. Hi, William. Um, and I always thought localization is part of UX. Ooh, fighting words. Fighting words. No, UX is part of localization. William Dan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there are organizations, and you know, some organizations yeah. do this better than others, right? Some some organizations very it's very well defined, just like just like any organization. Let's stop talking about UX for a second. Talk about marketing departments. Let's talk about SEO, right? Um, all of these different these departments within organizations, which are typically considered either like stakeholders or internal clients for the localization department. Some organization, they're super synced up. And it's like I've worked with companies going into dozens and dozens and dozens of languages where it's like, no, step one, we're going to localize keywords because we're working with the SEO guys. And so this is a situation where it's like, no, the SEO team isn't just like our stakeholder, our client. We're not just like, no, we're partnering with them. Most companies aren't quite there yet. And if they are there, mm -hmm. then, you know, no one's a hundred percent there yet because, you know, as we get there, I feel that as an industry, we've spent years and years and years trying to embed ourselves with our stakeholders internally, um, like mm -hmm. get embedded with the marketing department. Right. Mm -hmm. So you look at a company like HubSpot, we have a lessons in localization on HubSpot and they're just like part of the global marketing. It's, it's just all one. It's like the localization team doesn't even think of themselves really as a localization team. They're just an extension of the global marketing team and yeah. that's taken work to get there, but that's just marketing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and if mm -hmm. we use that as like a metaphor for the industry is like, we've done all this work to get the success and we have succeeded. We have succeeded. But it's like, oh, there's this new thing popping up, right? A user, this new mm -hmm. focus, on, it's not new. I'm, I'm going to piss off people if I say it's new. But, you know, an increased focus on customer intimacy, on customer delight, on user experience, essentially. I'm trying not to use the yeah. word UX. Yeah. I wonder if there's, you know, I sometimes think if, if there's a bit of an accessibility issue with localization because, you know, it's it's not that you know people don't know that you have to sometimes you have to and really should be localizing your designs for example that you know visual the visual experience just needs to look different somewhere else to come across in the way that you intend um and you know to localize your your value proposition propositions for example it's not that we don't know um but i wonder if there is this some kind of perceived accessibility some perceived barrier that you know if, if you go for example on the, on the website of some you know a multinational giant let's say nike or, or one of those guys um and obviously you know they have they have marketing teams likely in you know so many different countries and and you know very very different um level of resources to to most most other other companies they're much much smaller um so i'm wondering you know if you if you go for example on nike's website and look at different um, the different versions that they've created for different markets. Um, you can't just, you know, screenshot that and, you know, go to your, your marketing team. Like, look you're, at what these guys are doing. Like, this is what guy, we should be doing. You're talking to a guy who has actually in his life spent time going to, through Nike's different international websites. So I don't, and you couldn't have known that when you use that as an example, but yeah, I, I, I was surprised by what I saw. And, um, you know, I, 
I'm in the loop on what Nike's doing and to a certain extent, right? And I, I love talking about Nike because them, I like talking about Nike. It always comes back to Nike and Disney for some reason. I love talking about Nike and Disney because they're the ones yeah. that get themselves into hot water. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes mm. not intentionally, like with, you know, yeah. international markets, talk, looking at you, China. Um, and, but they're the ones who seem to really care about their end customers. And, and using Nike as an example, they made the really turning out to be a good decision, um, but I don't even remember when it was, five, ten years ago, to go direct to consumer and you know, pull out of the retail model and go direct to consumer and go online. So they're selling directly to their people on Nike.com and they're doing it around the world. And a lot of their, their revenue is, and these are public figures, is coming from their international markets and they take that very seriously. But even a company like Nike, you go to their websites and you'll see differences. But, and this kind of informed the question I asked you earlier, but a lot of them are regional differences. So they'll have like one kind of template website and this was years ago by the way one template website for western europe and one template website for asia pacific countries right and then they'll kind of localize from there but a big part is um localizing the style too and the customs what people wear and i'm sorry i totally derailed this conversation talking about nike website localization i just wanted to show off the fact that i did that i guess but um yeah it's made me question like when i was looking at this what is the method behind this what is the logic mm -hmm. behind this and i'm not sure that companies always have a logic behind their localization decisions i think it's getting better but there was a time not that long ago when i think EOL discussions like extent of localization, how many languages to go into, which markets to prioritize, um, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, setting all of these. Those decisions were not made in a mature way. They were just like, oh, Microsoft's localizing into these languages, so we'll do it too, right? Mm -hmm. Or these are, everybody knows these are the top 20 languages. Or they'll look at, you know, we have reports on like the the online the online consumer consumption index broken down by market, you know, based on purchasing power, internet, blah, blah, blah all, all of these different things. But that might've worked 10 years ago. But what I'm seeing these days is companies really need information, data, and feedback from their users that's specific to them. So whereas, and I feel this acutely because I work for an organization that does research. Like we, we, we do this, we get paid to, to research. And 10 years ago, you could write one report on app store optimization and sell it to 20 different companies. And they're, oh, this is great. I love it, right? These days they'd be like, oh yeah, that's cute. That's nice. But what I need is specifically user information online just because just because these are the top mm -hmm. 10 company or top 10 languages in my vertical doesn't mean those are the top 10 languages for my specific customer base everything's customized these days Anyways, mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i have to um i know i'm the one who uh who got, got us talking talk about nike and now um I'm, I'm the one like oh. making us stick to that topic but i think um the obviously these who knows what why why these companies do, do do what what they do and how they do it but you know i wonder um there is there's definitely a difference between um you know a company company our size we've got about 120 employees um nike is a little bit bigger um so you know if i just you know screenshot and i trust me i have a screenshot it's you know nike's website and and you know just to demonstrate you know this is how this is localization. Like, look at this, guys. Let's let's right. do something like this. Um, is that is that something that you know? I wonder if there's a bit of a bit of a barrier. Like, you know, this is something that yes, Nike is able to do, but it's it's inaccessible to us because we don't have the same resources. Um, I sometimes because it, it can't be that you know people don't know that you know. Ideally, we we would be um, putting like investing a bit more in localization and and um, kind of going beyond. Um, just pure linguistics. 
So to me, it would seem like it certainly helps having in-country presence, right? And yeah. a global behemoth like Nike or anybody, anybody like Reebok, anybody, mm -hmm. um, Apple, Google, anybody, um, a global behemoth will have a local presence in many countries, mm -hmm. many markets around the world. And traditionally, typically those are, you know, growth focused presence like sales and marketing essentially, um, mm. that are boots on the ground in these different organizations. So that helps, but I would say the biggest way that that helps is simply having the connection to your users, like having the mm. people in country in and of itself, isn't what's helping. What's helping is having advocates for the users because that's what those sales and marketing, those subsidiary people, the in-country in-market folks end up being, they become advocates for their local users and they're able to go back to the mothership. You know, if it's Nike, we're talking Beaverton. If it's Microsoft, we're talking Redmond and say, look, here's what our local users are demanding. And those, the mothership can either agree to listen to them or mm -hmm. they can agree not to listen to them. You know, if you say, companies not all companies have that level of resources though i would challenge that by saying if user experience global no if user experience because global user experience is user experience if if user experience is important to you then there are ways to do it you don't need in country mm -hmm. people like our industry the language industry is built on an outsourced supply chain model like the whole industry is built around that. So if you don't have the resources or the expertise or the capabilities or the knowledge in house, then outsource, you know, talk to your translation vendor. Hell, talk to Nimsy. We do this work all the time. That's my plug. Exactly. That's my, that's my yeah. hidden sales plug. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, what was really important for us was to, was to realize that, you know, we are, a much smaller company than than for example for example Nike and, and many of many of these other um, other global global enterprises um, but you know we still have that expertise in house um, and we're able to use you know we're able to kind of leverage these processes that already exist at what three works um, and, and just kind of make them about localization so for you know this iterative um, iterative development idea that you know all product teams are already so familiar with um value proposition design from you know product marketing and you know all of these processes that that already already exist um so i think it might be um you know whoever is listening i, I think it would be especially if you are in you know small in a you know small to small to mid-size um mid-size company you know kind of invite to think you know what resources you actually have um because this is why i say i wonder if it's a perceived barrier or a perceived accessibility issue we think we can't do that because yeah. the examples that we see out there are by these companies with with you know very different level of resources I yeah don't know. i think you know like when i first started doing these live streamings i was calling them you can right it's like you can and then i'd have a subject line and you know i I feel this is appropriate here. It's like, you can, there's a way. If there's one thing that mm -hmm. I've learned working in this industry is there's a way. There's a way mm -hmm. um, to do it. It might not always be a cost-effective way, <laughs> right? But mm -hmm. um, there's always a way. And if, if there's tons of folks in the industry, tons of companies or agencies out there willing to, willing to help with this. And this is a hot topic right now. User experience is... Mm -hmm. It's the future, I dare say. God, I keep saying that I'm not a futurist, but I do make a lot of bold claims. I, I, I really believe this is the direction our industry is heading. And um, I've, I've talked to you, I've talked to a number of people, both on and offline, about you know how do we measure that? What do, what do we mean? Because when we mm -hmm. talk about user experience, we have the same challenges when we talk about the ever-elusive language quality, which is mm. what is language quality? What is good language mm -hmm. quality? What is user experience? Yeah. What is good user experience, right? Mm -hmm. And fortunately, you know, for you know, a company like yours with just thousands and thousands of downloads from the app store, 
you get that data. Like you kind of get that mm. real time feedback without having to do expensive focus groups and surveys and all of that stuff. Mm. But not everybody has that. And it's an exciting time to be part of this industry right now because we get to kind of figure it out together as an industry. Very true. Very true. And I think on that note, I, I will thank you for your contribution to the conversation because it takes people like you signing up for the Process Innovation Challenge to to help bring awareness to this. My pleasure entirely. The the Process Innovation Challenge was it was a lot of fun, and it's you know um, in case anyone anyone uh, listening or watching this later saw that, I'd absolutely love to hear you know what what people think about this um, this this kind of more iterative. Um, localization approach and you know it's by no, by no means this is the final uh, final truth about things so you know very very open to, to suggestions and, and you know ideas for improvement how um, yeah how we could be made even even more helpful for, for others out there yeah so for those of you listening out there listening watching along at home I will encourage you um, connect with Mayu and here I pulled up her LinkedIn profile here so that you can not so that you can find her um mayu nermanen thank you once again for coming on and thank you to yuka nakasoni for for making this happen you were you were our fairy godmother i'm not sure if you're watching right now but when you do if you do then thank you big time keep sending my ways as far as the future what's happening with nimzy live right now i am not going live as much as i used to which is you know, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know a lot of you guys are sick of me, but what we're doing here at Nimsy is we're kind of taking a step back to see what's going on with this this live streaming thing, taking feedback from you guys because we're essentially building something new here. Our industry isn't huge on live streaming yet, and I'm doing what I can to change that. So feedback. Please, do you like these pop-up live streams? Would you like to see some more structure? Would you like to see different guests, uh, different format? You tell me. I'm very, very interested in getting your feedback. And quick reminder, Nimsy Insights is a market research and localization company. We, we do research, a lot of research like what we're talking about today, helping people better understand their in-country users and improve the results in local markets around the world. If you're a company that is global and wants to have more meaningful conversations with your international users, or if you're not global and want to start building your international user base, then give us a call. We want to talk to you. So, Mayu, any Last last chance. Ten seconds. Closing thoughts. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think just you know, go have a play with the Bob Free Words app. Tell me what you think about the um, the iterative localization method. Let's connect on on LinkedIn and talk, continue the conversation. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Tucker. This has been fun. Yes, ma'am. All right, guys. We will see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>